the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A deadly shooting in Uvalde, Texas. He shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, uh, 14 students uh, and killed a teacher. An Iraqi man in Ohio planned to assassinate a former U.S. president. Who would help him murder former President George W. Bush. Primary voting in several key states across the country. It's possible that when all the votes are counted, uh, McCormick will be on top. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, May 25th. I'm Mike Scott. As Ukraine marks three months since the start of the Russian invasion, residents in the capital city of Kiev have commemorated those who've been lost since the start of the conflict. Meanwhile, NATO's Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says the war in Ukraine is providing proof that doing business with authoritarians in Russia or China poses risks for Western security. This is about Russia, but also about China. Another authoritarian regime that does not share our values and that undermines the rules-based international order. This all comes as workers digging through the rubble of an apartment building in Mariupol found 200 bodies in the basement of an apartment block. According to Ukrainian authorities, that while Russian troops continue heavy fighting in the Donbass as they seek to push into Severodonetsk and capture the area around it. Retired Colonel Cedric Layton joined CNN discussing the latest onslaught from Russian forces in Ukraine. What you end up having is a, a situation where the Ukrainian forces could potentially be cut off from their supply lines and from reinforcements. So that's what the Russians are trying to do. They're trying to cut off the Ukrainians and basically surround them in this area right here in the eastern part of the country. So if they do that, uh, then it's... You know, you hate to say it, but it's basically game over for the Ukrainian forces in this particular area if the Russians are allowed to proceed that way. Leighton goes on to explain how Russia seeks to control a larger part of the world's food supply. This is what they want. This is the kind of uh, material, the exports that Ukraine has. It's the fifth largest wheat exporter in the world. Uh, This is what Russia wants to control, helps with its foreign exchange, also helps when it uh, can export this and influence other countries. And if it controls things like the world grain market, it can control the food supply. So this is exactly what the Russians want. And when it comes to the areas that they control, the southern part right here, they only have a very little bit of coastline left, and if they control this, they get access to uh, the wheat-growing regions right in through this area right here. If they do that, uh, and they control the ports and the exportability uh, of, uh, of these areas is under their control, then they can, in essence, tie the noose around Ukraine's neck, and that's uh, an economic goal that they have at the moment. Layton explains what he believes is Russia's endgame. 
so what the Russians want is they want to strangle this area, and in essence, it's a death by a thousand cuts scenario. Uh, they want to take these areas and then gradually uh, move westward into these areas uh, so that eventually they could potentially control the rest of the country. The goal is still to topple the Ukrainian government, to eliminate the Ukrainian culture. Uh, they have not done that, and they've got a long way to go before they can do that. But the way they're going about things, the way they're moving their troops, but how they're targeting civilian populations, all of that means that they want to eliminate Ukraine from the map. The Justice Department has announced that an Iraqi national living in Columbus, Ohio, was arrested Tuesday. It faces federal charges related to an alleged plot to assassinate former President George W. Bush. NBC national security correspondent Ken Delanian breaks down the shocking story. This involves an Iraqi man who was is in the country, is in Columbus, Ohio, and has claimed asylum. He came on the FBI's radar because they thought he was running a human smuggling operation. It's important to stress that uh, the FBI was inside this alleged plot right from the beginning. They had human sources. Um, the document that we're looking at is actually a warrant uh, related to a cell phone uh, uh, owned by this, this target. Uh, his name is Shihad Ahmed Shihad. Delanian says that, according to reports, the would-be assassin traveled to the former president's home. According to this document, uh, this man was attempting to smuggle four Iraqis inside the United States who would help him murder former President George W. Bush. And at one point, the document says Shihad actually traveled to Texas and went to the address of the former president and took some cell phone video. But again, the FBI was monitoring this the entire time. Delanian goes on to say the suspect wanted to smuggle former ISIS fighters into the country. There's a lot of evidence inside this document that this was a human smuggling operation designed to bring former ISIS members into the country. At least that's what this person was claiming to these informants. Um, and there was even a claim in this document that one former ISIS member had actually already been smuggled into the United States. So a fairly alarming claim there. Shiab Ahmed Shiab has been charged with aiding and abetting the attempted murder of a former U.S. official as well as with an immigration crime for his alleged attempt to bring illegally foreign nationals into the United States. There was tragedy in Texas in the small farming town of Uvalde where a shooter opened fire at a Texas elementary school on Tuesday. The 18-year-old shooter was also reported to be deceased. Texas Governor Greg Abbott confirmed the deaths of students and the gunman. The shooter was uh, Salvador Romas, uh, an 18-year-old male who resided in Uvalde. Uh, it's believed that he abandoned his vehicle and entered into uh, the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde with, with a handgun, and he may have also had a rifle, but that is not yet confirmed according to my most recent report. Uh, he shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, uh, 14 students uh, and killed a teacher. Uh, Mr. Uh, Romus, the shooter, uh, he is he uh, he himself uh, is deceased, uh, and is believed that responding officers killed him. The death toll has risen to 21 since Governor Abbott's press briefing. The gunman was a resident of the community and reportedly entered the school with a handgun and possibly a rifle. The shooter was likely killed by responding officers, but that and the other events 
are still being investigated. We get reaction to the shooting starting at the White House from President Joe Biden. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done? It's been 3,448 days, 10 years since I stood up at a high school in Connecticut, a grade school in Connecticut, where another gunman massacred 26 people, including 20 first graders at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Since then, there have been over 900 incidents of gunfires reported on school grounds. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Santa Fe High School in Texas. Oxford High School in Michigan. The list goes on and on, and the list grows when it includes mass shootings at places like movie theaters, houses of worship, as we saw just 10 days ago at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. I am sick and tired. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin says there's no rational explanation for the inability of lawmakers to take some kind of meaningful action against what he called gun violence. I'm a grandparent. I feel the same. But you understand. That makes no sense at all why we can't do common sense, common sense things and and try to prevent some of this from happening. It's just all unbelievable how we've gotten to a society that someone could be this deranged and this sick. Senator John Cornyn reacted to the shooting in his state of Texas. It's horrible. Um, so we're still trying to get a clear picture of what's uh, what happened and what the motivation was. This story is developing, and we will update it when more information becomes available. Georgia takes center stage in Tuesday's primary elections as Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger try to fight back challengers endorsed by former President Donald Trump, who is seeking revenge for his 2020 election defeat in that state. Meantime, Arkansas Republican gubernatorial candidate Sarah Huckabee Sanders says she's confident about the primary and the Arkansas general election. We have uh, been all over the state, traveled to all 75 counties, incredible enthusiasm everywhere we've been, and I feel like we're in a great spot. On Monday, former Vice President Mike Pence campaigned with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who faced that primary challenge from former President Trump and picked candidate David Perdue. Brian Kemp beat Stacey Abrams four years ago, and with your support, Brian Kemp will do it all again in November of 2022. Meantime, Georgia Democrat gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams says the state has lots of big problems and the GOP's response is to insult her instead of offering solutions. The answer from Republicans, from our former senator to our current governor, is to fight me instead of fighting the problems that are facing Georgia. And I urge everyone to pay less attention to rhetoric and more attention to the record and to the results. As the polls begin to close, early results show Herschel Walker is projected to win Georgia's Republican primary for Senate. He will face Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock in November. Meantime, Stacey Abrams is the projected winner for Georgia's Democrat primary and seems to be heading for a rematch with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, who's projected to win the state's GOP gubernatorial nomination.
As the results of Tuesday's primary poured in, David Drucker, senior correspondent for the Washington Examiner, joined the Salem Radio Network with an update on the ongoing primary trouble for the Pennsylvania Republican race for Senate. It's possible that when all the votes are counted, uh, McCormick will be on top, even if he's not. And I'd rather be Oz if I had to choose at this point. I'd always really rather be the guy in front. Um, even if even if Oz holds him off, um, there's going to be a recount because it's going to be triggered under state law. The, the candidate that's losing at the end of regulation can forego the recount and just decide to lose. I just don't think that's going to happen here. Drucker says that the McCormick campaign is now suing to make sure a particular type of mail-in ballot is counted. The real news here is that the McCormick campaign is suing in state court to compel all 67 counties to count mail-in ballots that were received on time and have no other flaw except for there's no date handwritten on the outside of the envelope as required by state law. Drucker says that the McCormick campaign suing to count those ballots may trigger a backlash from some Republican voters. A decision rendered by the Third Circuit on Friday that had nothing to do with this election, but a 2021 election in Lehigh County, Pennsylvania, that said such ballots should be counted as the legal basis for asking the state uh, to intervene here on their behalf. And what McCormick really is not dealing with, in my estimation, is not necessarily what the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court may do with the appellate court in Pennsylvania, but the political blowback, because Republicans and Republican voters get very itchy when states are asked to make any exceptions to this to state law, even you know if a lawyer may deem such a change immaterial. In the aftermath of a teenage gunman's deadly spree in Buffalo, New York, and another teenage rampage at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, most voters remain unconvinced that more gun control laws can prevent such mass shootings. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has that story. A new Rasmussen Report's national telephone and online survey finds that 40% of likely U.S. voters believe stricter gun control laws would help prevent shootings like the recent one in Buffalo. 50% don't think stricter gun control will help, while another 10% are not sure. These findings are almost identical to an April survey after a mass shooting on a New York City subway train. The survey of 1,000 likely U.S. voters took place between May 19th and 20th. The margin of error was plus or minus 3% with a 95% level of confidence. I'm Bernie Bennett. Fort Bragg would become Fort Liberty. For the first time, Army bases would be named after black soldiers and women. An independent commission on Tuesday recommended new names for nine Army posts that commemorate Confederate officers. The recommendations are the latest step in a broader effort by the military to confront a racist past. Retired Army Brigadier General Ty Sejuli says the naming commission picked Fort Liberty as the new name for Fort Bragg. There's a reason why liberty is written in our Declaration of Independence and Constitution, set onto our currency and germane to our national symbols, statues, and monuments. Throughout our history, liberty remains the greatest value. Ever since the nation created a standing army to provide for the common defense, that army's greatest battles have been for liberty. Sejuli says the naming commission has selected new names for nine bases, currently named after Confederate officers. 
we believe that these new names will inspire soldiers to achieve the high standards demanded by their nation in peace and in war. Airbnb says it will stop representing short-term rental properties in China and focus its business in the country on serving Chinese tourists looking for lodgings abroad. Here's that story with Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House. Airbnb joins a series of foreign Internet companies, including Yahoo and eBay, that pulled out of China after running into fierce local competition and regulatory barriers. The company's chief strategy officer says that the rental service will shut down July 30th. He says landlords represented by Airbnb have had more than 25 million guest arrivals since 2016. Health authorities in Europe, North America, Israel and Australia have identified more than 100 cases of monkeypox in recent days. They stress, however, that the risk to the general population is low. This week, a top advisor to the World Health Organization said the outbreak was likely triggered by sexual activity at two recent mass events in Europe. The WHO's Rosamund Lewis says monkeypox is very rare and requires very close contact to spread. Monkeypox is really a disease of close contact. And so the risk to the general public remains very low. However, direct contact with a person who may be infected or who has a confirmed case of monkeypox means that the risk is obviously higher. So what everyone needs to know is that the risk in general is is low and we shouldn't be concerned. Lewis says the latest outbreak is presenting as a fever, chills, aches, fatigue, and then a rash and lesions on the face, hands, and in the mouth. What we're seeing in the current outbreak of monkeypox in countries that are not typically seeing these cases is that many cases still do present this way. Many others, however, are presenting with uh, a rash that is more limited in region in the uh, genital area and the perineal area. This is not unheard of before. It's just being described much more commonly right now. And finally, researchers studying some really old salt crystals found them preserving something else evidence of life. According to scientific reports, there are little cubes of the original liquid from which that salt grew over 830 million years ago. Although the idea that these microorganisms could still be alive is mind-boggling, hard science backs it up. Anton Petrov, who hosted a verified science channel on YouTube, explains the discovery. By using various microscopic techniques such as ultraviolet petrography, first the scientists identified various liquid inclusions present inside the crystals. But they also identified certain types of ultraviolet fluorescence coming from the particles on the inside which generally seem to coincide with organic solids and organic liquids. Petrov goes on to say that it seems that the bacteria found inside the ancient crystal have created their own ecosystem. Signs were basically suggesting that some of these organisms were still actually active and producing stuff on the inside. In other words, these microscopic observations suggested that there was actual bacterial activity happening inside the crystals of halite. Which means that not only are these bacteria alive, 
they also seem to have created some kind of a microhabitat where they can survive for millions of years. Researchers suspect the crystal would need to be opened in order to confirm that this is in fact organic matter and that it is still alive. While the thought of cracking open a crystal to extract what could be ancient life seems like the script for a B-horror movie, researchers insist there is no need to worry. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.